0: This is Ticker Symbol U, a podcast focused on highlighting advanced technologies that are transforming our lives and disrupting their competitors in the process. My name is Alex, and I'm definitely not a financial advisor. I'm just a nerd that loves sharing my personal vision of the future and putting my money where my mouth is. To learn more, find me at tickersymbolu.com or youtube.com slash ticker symbol Y-O-U. Let's start with this. Peter Lynch famously said that every company has a story, and when you invest in that company, you're buying into that story. But the more I think about it, the more I realize that the best investments aren't companies with great stories. They're the companies that act as platforms for others to tell stories of their own. I'd like to tell you a story about Unity Software, a platform for other companies to tell their stories. But the question I want to answer is, Is Unity's story one worth investing in? My name is Alex, and I'll show you by looking at the science behind this stock. It's easy to think of Unity Software as just a video game company and call it a stay at home stock, but if you approach it that way, you're really missing the big picture. First, let me give you some context about the gaming industry and where it's headed, and then I'll talk about Unity's place in it. Video games often get put into the same bucket as music and movies, mindless leisure activities for people with disposable incomes, but that's not really a good comparison. The average price of a movie ticket today is a little over $9, and the average runtime for a movie is about two hours, not including credits. So that's four fifty dollars per hour for passive movie watching. The average price of a digital album today is over $11, and most albums are under 75 minutes long. That's a little less than about $9 an hour for passive music listening. The average price of a new video game today is $60, but video games aren't media that you consume passively. They're media you actively engage with over multiple sessions. Video games take anywhere from 20 to 100 hours or more to complete. And that's just the main story. Video games often come with replayable content, like competitive online modes or extra unlockable missions for players to play through. So modern video games offer interactive, engaging entertainment for anywhere from $3 per hour on the high end to 50 cents or less per hour on the low end. By the way, this isn't just some random statistic. Gamers look up reviews and think about the game's cost in dollars per hour as part of their purchasing decision. That's important. and This is why the music and movie industries have largely moved towards streaming as a service, while video games are still enjoying record revenues. Even though plenty of subscription services do exist for video games today, their revenues in 2021 doubled the revenues of the music and movie industries put together people still buy video games. This also makes the video game industry very resilient to bad times. As the economy keeps getting worse, people will look to cheaper and cheaper forms of entertainment and video games provide the best bang for your buck. And this doesn't even scratch the surface of sub-industries that are unique to gaming, like competitive esports or watching people stream their gameplay on YouTube and Twitch TV. You've probably heard that the gaming industry is slowing down, But what's actually happening is it's consolidating and going mobile. Handheld devices like the Nintendo Game Boy and 3DS and the PlayStation Vita have lost the battle to smartphones. Mobile gaming is growing at almost a 27% compound annual growth rate today. This shift to mobile gaming is actually part of a larger shift to mobile everything. People are spending an average of 25% more time on mobile devices today than before the pandemic began. More people are doing more work from mobile devices more often, including professions like architecture, design, engineering, product prototyping, the list goes on and on. And if you think the mobile gaming market is growing fast, the augmented and virtual reality markets are expected to grow by 46% per year through 2025. Just a few days ago, Bloomberg reported that Apple's mixed reality headset reached a new milestone. It's possible that a consumer release for this headset could happen as soon as 2023. The board, which meets four times a year, was shown the latest version of this headset at their meeting. And we care because it's a pretty good sign that that it's in the advanced stages. This is an area Apple has tried to use, augmented virtual reality, to boost its hardware business. Hardware, frankly, makes up 80% of sales. A lot of that dominated by the iPhone, of course, and it's looking to the future about how it can grow the top line through hardware and different types of hardware that would also boost services revenue as well. I don't have a crystal ball, but my guess is that the AR and VR markets will grow faster once Apple starts selling a device for them. And according to longstanding rumors, Apple is also building a standalone augmented reality set of glasses called Apple Glass, which they could release towards the end of the decade, if not sooner. Not to mention that augmented reality technology is already baked into our smartphones and tablets today. These are just some of the tailwinds for Unity software. The reason they're tailwinds for Unity, but not their competition, is that when they were starting out, they differentiated themselves from Unreal Engine by focusing on Mac games and mobile games. So today, Unreal powers some of the biggest PC and console games out there, while Unity powers some of the most popular mobile games out there. In fact, according to their 10K, which they filed at the end of 2020, over 60% of the top 1,000 mobile games were made with Unity. The games made with Unity have over 2 billion monthly active users combined. Additionally, its platform has been used to develop over 60% of all AR and VR content. 93 of the top 100 global game development companies are Unity customers, including Sony, Nintendo, Microsoft, Electronic Arts, Tencent, and Activision Blizzard. This is why it doesn't make sense to compare Unity software to game studios like Electronic Arts and Activision Blizzard. Unity doesn't make the games themselves. Unity is a software platform where other developers can create real-time 3D content for any industry. In the past, if you wanted to create a video game, you had to build it from the ground up. That means you had to build the physics engine, which is the software that defines how objects, environments, and players interact. This means that artists and storytellers needed to find people with a completely different skill set, coding, math, and physics, to help them tell their story. That's a huge undertaking and it comes with a lot of technical challenges and risks. That's the business need that platforms like Unity Software and Unreal Engine are filling today. Now, game developers have a different problem. There are tons of different devices out there, each with their own operating systems and design constraints. There are gaming consoles like Microsoft's Xbox, Sony's PlayStation, and the Nintendo Switch. There are multiple mobile operating systems like Android and iOS, and by the end of the decade, there might be multiple augmented and virtual reality operating systems as well. Apple, Meta Platforms, and so on. Well, Unity's platform solves that business need as well. They allow developers to create 2D and 3D interactive experiences once and deploy them everywhere. This is a big selling point. It means different operating systems and device makers need to enter into long-term partnerships with Unity. Then, Unity ensures that creators don't have to write too much separate code just to get their projects onto any one specific platform. Unity supports everyone from huge studios that make multiplayer games requiring powerful computers all the way down to individual creators who just want to make a simple mobile app. That's why you see so many games offered on both the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store, and why Unity's platform has become an industry-standard content creation tool. Here's how Unity does it. Unity's business has three key parts. The first is called Create Solutions. These are the tools that developers, artists, designers, engineers, or architects can use to create 2D or 3D content. A game engine isn't just one thing. There's lots of engineering that goes into creating a game. Within a game engine, there's a physics simulator, an animation system, systems for sound and lighting and shading, coloring and rendering. Unity's core products are available for free for smaller developers, which include the development platform itself and the visual scripting tools that let creators build in a low-code environment. Outside of the game engine, Unity has a library of tens of thousands of assets for developers to use, ranging from models of man-made and natural structures to sound effects and visual indicators. Unity takes a 30% cut on the paid assets in this store. It's far more efficient for game studios to focus on making the assets that make their games unique, rather than reinventing the wheel on things like rocks, fence posts, and footsteps. Unity's Create Solutions are subscription-based, and the fees are adjusted as developers use more or less of their features. Create Solutions account for about 30% of Unity's revenue. Unity's second business segment is called Operate Solutions. Even if a creator isn't using Unity's Create Solutions to build their actual game, they can still use Unity's Operate Solutions to manage all of these other features around it. Operate solutions are all the things related to operating a game that aren't necessarily part of the core gameplay loop itself. This includes things like hosting services and matchmaking and voice chat support for multiplayer games, analytics to see game performance and player behavior, tracking and storing player save data and item data. This also includes tools that helps creators monetize their content through advertisements, in-game purchases, and even selling art and assets to other developers. For example, Unity has a service called Unity Ads, which is its own mobile advertising platform and auction system that anyone can plug directly into. Unity has a lot of services around this advertising niche. Their Audience Pinpointer helps advertisers understand and improve their revenue by calculating expected valuations for each player, and only sending players ads for games that they're likely to install based on their actual behavior. This kind of advertising is a winner-take-most market because the platform with the most data can make the best decisions and offer the best return on ad spend. What's cool about these services is their revenue scales with the success of Unity's clients. For example, Unity has a revenue-sharing model on their ads and takes a cut on every user that goes on to install a game. Unity's operate solutions are filled with services like this across the entire spectrum for gaming. For servicing multiplayer games, Unity charges by the number of concurrent users. For analytics on in-game player behavior, they charge per query or per thousand logged events, and so on. So, Unity has a lot of these specialized services and their growth is aligned with their customers. I really like that. Operate Solutions accounts for about 60% of Unity's total revenue. That last 10% of Unity's revenue comes from their third business segment, which are these strategic partnerships. This is sort of a catch-all category that includes those long-term relationships that support this build-once-deploy-everywhere model that I mentioned earlier. Create Solutions, Operate Solutions, and Strategic Partnerships give Unity an end-to-end solution that isn't easy to replicate by other platforms, which gives them a pretty big moat. It also makes Unity very sticky. If you want to move off of Unity's Create solutions, you're pretty much ripping the guts out of your content. And if you want to move off of their Operate solutions, you'll probably end up replacing them with multiple tools that don't talk to each other. That's why Unity software has a net dollar-based retention rate of around 140% today. Okay, let's talk about how Unity is expanding this entire end-to-end platform to other industries. At the end of 2021, Unity acquired Weta Digital, the visual effects studio founded by Peter Jackson who directed Lord of the Rings. What Unity is getting out of this acquisition is hundreds of visual effects engineers, a data platform that allows hundreds of artists to work together on different 3D assets, and Weta's massive library of tools and assets. Tools and assets like the ones they used in Avengers Endgame, from missile blasts and explosions to Doctor Strange's portals to the climax of the Marvel Cinematic Universe's 23-movie saga. Think about how good a studio has to be for Marvel to let them build these final scenes. These are the processes, the tools, the engineers, and the visual effects artists that Unity just acquired. Think of all the markets that Unity can leverage these incredible assets in. Obviously, they can keep improving their existing platforms for TV and film, but this acquisition will also help Unity build photorealistic, interactive digital twins of buildings and cars. Think about how these tools will help product designers swap out parts and materials, see how different subsystems work together, or even simulate their entire customer experience in a lifelike digital workspace. Think about the real estate applications where you want to place furniture in a home to stage a virtual walkthrough and can rearrange the house in an infinite number of ways with the push of a single button or even randomize the layout of a house altogether. Think about the medical applications ranging from high fidelity, interactive 3D models of the human body to running training simulations for surgeries that allow doctors to try different approaches and reduce the risks for the real thing. 25% of Unity's sales come from non-gaming applications today, which is up from 10% a few years ago. Unity's platform is already used by 8 out of the top 10 architecture, engineering, and design companies in the world, as well as 9 of the top 10 automotive companies like Honda, Volvo, and BMW. It's not all sunshine and rainbows for Unity software, though investing in this company comes with real risks. 75% of Unity's revenues still come from gaming and gaming-related services today. Earlier this month, Unity missed unexpected top-line revenue and lowered their guidance for growth in 2022. Here's what happened, I think this little case study will give us some big insights into Unity's business. This revenue miss comes from flaws in the advertising, data they've been collecting, and the audience pinpointer tool that I talked about earlier. This tool uses machine learning to match ads and players based on the games they actually download and play. Last year, they took in a lot of bad data, which caused a compounding problem. First. Bad data means that the audience pinpointer just did a bad job matching ads to players, which means lower returns on ad spend for Unity and their customers. Second and more importantly, bad data means bad training for the pinpointer's machine learning models, which means lower performance in the future even if they start feeding in better data. Now that Unity has identified these data and training issues, they can fix them, and Unity's CEO said that it'll take them a couple quarters to fix. That's as bad as it gets for an unprofitable growth company in this kind of risk-off market, and Unity's stock fell almost 40% as a result of that guidance. Unity's CEO said that he expects them to grow by 25% in 2022 and be profitable by the end of the year, but I think it could be more like quarter one or quarter 2 of next year. Here's why. Rising interest rates hurt Unity's ability to borrow money and invest in further growth. Over 50% of their headcount and almost 60% of their revenues are spent on research and development. That means software engineers, which means stock-based compensation. They grew their total headcount by over 30% last year, and over the past quarter, 30% of their total revenue went to stock-based compensation. The lower the stock price, the more stock you need to issue to compensate engineers, which means more dilution to shareholders. And of course, they issued stock to acquire Weta Digital. So, this is the current story of Unity Software, a company that lets developers create interactive 2D and 3D media of all kinds, not just video games. Every industry will continue to adopt these services as the world continues to go digital, go mobile, and adopt augmented and virtual reality over the next decade. Today, Unity Software is on the edge of profitability, but their massive end-to-end platform is not without real risks and technical challenges. It takes a lot of smart and expensive engineers and artists to pull this off. These next few quarters will tell if Unity can really keep scaling beyond gaming, or if other more profitable players like Microsoft, Facebook, and Nvidia will spell game over for this stock. Until next time, this is ticker symbol U. My name is Alex, reminding you that the best investment you can make is in you.